four of the Pete Space. I'm Simone Howell with Palette Life Sciences. Palette Life Sciences is dedicated to providing educational resources and fostering meaningful peer-to-peer discussions about VUR and pediatric urology. To begin our year, it is my extreme honor to discuss the 40-year journey of endoscopic injection therapy for the treatment of vesicle ureteral reflux with Professor Prem Puri of Dublin, Ireland. Professor Puri is considered the pioneer of endoscopic injections for the treatment of VUR. He has extended his vast knowledge to others with extensive research on VUR and other pediatric urologic conditions. He has published 10 books, written 124 chapters in textbooks, over 500 articles in peer-reviewed journals, and proctored countless training and educational seminars. Professor Puri is the Newman Clinical Research Professor at the University College of Dublin School of Medicine and President of the National Children's Research Center at Our Lady's Children's Hospital of Dublin. The content of today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Puri. Welcome, Dr. Puri. Simon, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about the historical aspects of endoscopic treatment of a psychoureteral reflux. I have been now interested in translational research on psychoureteral reflux for nearly 40 years. I first became interested in this field when I was a surgical resident with Professor Barry O'Donnell, and I saw a lot of these reimplantation operations carried out. In order to talk about the treatment, whether it's endoscopic or open surgical, it's important to understand the anatomical basis of vasicoureteral reflux. In the normal urinary tract, as the ureter approaches the bladder, it loses its circular muscle fibers. And within the bladder wall, the ureter only has a, a longitudinal muscle fibers. And these fibers fan out distally and intermingle with the fibers from the opposite side and get inserted into the trigone. And this way, the ureteral orifice is anchored to the bladder. In primary vesicoureteral reflux, the basic defect is the congenital absence or deficiency of these longitudinal muscle fibers. And what happens is in, because of the absence or deficiency of these muscle fibers, the ureteric orifice moves upwards and laterally, thereby reducing the length and obliquity of the ureteric orifice or, or the submucosal ureter. Professor Puri, you have described the physical cause of vesicle ureteral reflux. Can we now discuss the management of VUR before endoscopic therapy? As you know, the management of psychoureteral reflux have been quite controversial, but in 70s and 80s, there was general agreement that high-grade reflux, such as grade 4 or 5, or patients with the breakthrough urinary tract infections should have anti-reflux procedures. The two most popular anti-reflux procedures were polytano lead butter of transvesical reimplantation and Cohen's trans-trigonal advancement procedures. When I was working as a resident, I saw one or two such operations, reimplantations every week in my hospital. And I felt that this was a too big a procedure or operation just to anchor the ureter to the bladder. So I said to my boss, Professor Barry O'Donnell, it should be possible to inject some tissue augmenting substance under the submucosal ureter, which would not only anchor the ureter to the bladder, but also give a firm support to the bladder. And he said to me, great idea. So 
what I did was I went ahead and wrote a research grant application and was treatment of a psychoureteral reflux using Teflon. Now, why did I choose Teflon? Because as a tissue augmenting substance, because certainly at that time, Teflon has a good track record. I had found that it had been used in patients with dysphonia since 1962 and also in patients with incontinence for a periurethral injection since 1964. So what I did was I produced vesicoureteral reflux in the piglets by opening up the bladder and slitting the anterior wall of the ureter and then cured this reflux by injecting a subureteric injection of Teflon paste. These experimental correction allowed us to begin treating patients then and we treated a few patients and we published two papers side by side in the British Medical Journal on July 7, 1984. The first paper was on the experimental production of vesicoureteral reflux and its correction by subureteric Teflon injection. And the second paper in the same issue was where we treated endoscopically vesicoureteral reflux in 13 girls with grade 3 to 5 reflux in 18 ureters. And we were able to show that 14 of the 18 ureters, the reflux resolved after a single injection. Now, our two publications generated a huge interest. Now, many periodic urologists and periodic surgeons started treating vesicoureteral reflux endoscopically all over the world. Two years after we had published our papers in the British Medical Journal, I learned that Dr. Maschek from Freiburg in Germany, who was a urologist, had published a case report in a German language journal where he has treated a 71 years old woman with bilateral vesicoureteral reflux by subureteric injection of Teflon paste. And so I must give credit to, although uh, I've never met him. Then in 1990, I published my personal long-term series in the journal Lancet. This was in 91 children with 143 ureters, the vast majority, in fact, 96% with grade 3 to 5. And again, we were able to show that 90% of the ureters continue to show absence of reflux two to six years after endoscopic correction of reflux. Your endoscopic innovation must have really created a paradigm shift, but there were concerns about Teflon paste, correct? Now, the introduction of endoscopic treatment of vesicoureteral reflux was a radical departure from the standard observational therapy or standard reimplantation of procedures. But in 1991, two investigators, Ramos and Ian Aronson, Ian Aronson is a urologist from South Carolina, published a paper which was a study conducted in two dogs where they showed distant particle migration after subureteral injection, a distant particle migration into lungs and brain. Now, this naturally caused a lot of anxiety. I took a far more detailed study in two species, in mini pigs and in dogs, where we injected a Teflon paste subureterically. And we did a study which consisted of histological as well as electron microscopy, X-ray analysis, and were not able to show any particle migration. We even injected into the carotid artery, but we could show the particles in the brain, but there was no surrounding damage. But I knew that once Ian Aronson's paper had been published, modality of treatment is not going to be used in America. So at this stage, naturally, other tissue augmenting substances started coming up. There was a lot of 
in trash. People used collagen, but you know, didn't long-term results of collagen were not good. And then microplastic was used. And even autologous tissue augmenting substances is the most prominent of being chondrocytes. Chondrocytes were being the group in Boston, Tony Atala and uh, Jay Vacanti. They produced chondrocytes. They've taken a biopsy of cartilage from the child's ear and then harvested these and produce a gel. The big problem with chondrocytes was nearly half of them developed calcification and it did not work. So after all the other bulking materials were studied, how did deflux arrive as the perfect implant material? Around this time, I also know that Joran Lacron from Uppsala in Sweden was doing experiments with deflux, which is a biocompatible, biodegradable tissue augmenting substance. In the mid-90s, they published their results in both experimental as well as clinical, and the results were very promising. I think the greatest paradigm shift in endoscopic treatment happened in 2001 when FDA approved deflux as an acceptable biocompatible tissue augmenting substance for subureteric injection into the ureteric orifice in patients with vesicular reflux. That was an important milestone. Now I'm going to talk about the deflux and a few other important matters which you know really resulted in a lot of popularity of this technique. So after the FDA approval, there were two other important milestones, uh, you know, further gained acceptance of this modality of treatment. One was that same year, 2001, I was invited by Anna Erikshud of QMED to conduct a clinical trial using deflux under patients. They had asked me if I could finish this in two years, but I finished 113 children, 166 ureters, 96% of grade 3 to 5 in a year. And we published these results in 2003, showing that the 86% of the ureters, we were able to stop the reflux after a single injection. And the second milestone was in 2002, Journal of Urology in 2002 published 80 articles, which they accorded classic article status. These were the 80 articles which had been published in the last century. And these were the papers which had a major impact on patient treatment. And fortunately, our paper, which was published in British Medical Journal, was accorded the classic paper status. And all these things like the FDA approval, as well as my initial study soon after the FDA approval of 113 patients published in Journal of Urology, and then our paper being accorded classic status, further enhanced the status of endoscopic treatment. And more and more people now were using, there was a worldwide acceptance that the deflux is a safe and effective tissue augmenting substance for the treatment of reflux. Professor Puri, I understand there was worldwide acceptance of endoscopic concept, but there was no worldwide experience. And the success of endoscopic therapy is so technique driven. How was that dealt with? Between 2003 and 2006, I conducted 18 workshops in 13 countries. Three of these workshops were in Dublin, and many periodic urologists attended these workshops, including 126 periodic urologists from the United States. My main purpose of these workshops was to convey the message that the success or failure depends on the accuracy of the technique, even though 
it's a 15 minute procedure, very simple procedure. Most important that the needle is placed with pinpoint accuracy at six o'clock position. And I have always injected under the mucosa because use less of the tissue augmenting substance and also my results have been much better. So since 2001, when the FDA approved the deflux as the acceptable tissue augmenting substance, I have offered endoscopic treatment as the first line of treatment for all my patients with grade three to grade five reflux. And we published our long-term results in 1,551 children with 2,341 refluxing ureters in Journal of Urology in 2012 and showed that the psychoutal reflux resolved in these 87% of the ureters after a single injection. And remember that 96% of these ureters were grade 3 to 5. And more recently, we have published another paper where we have looked at the long-term results in grade 4 and 5 reflux. These were over 800 patients and 1,287 refluxing ureters. Again, even in grade 4 and 5, we were able to stop the reflux in 70% of the ureters after single injection. Your research has also looked at febrile UTI and voiding dysfunction in association with endoscopic therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? There are two major goals for treating children with vasicoureteral reflux. Number one is to prevent renal damage or renal scarring. And number two is to prevent febrile urinary tract infections. So we recently published a paper in a journal called Periodics where we determined the incidence of febrile unit tract infections in 1,271 children who had been treated endoscopically successfully and followed up for many years. And we found that only 5.3% of these children developed febrile unit tract infections, and most of the infection was during the first year after the treatment of reflux. Although we also had patients who had urinary tract infection three years after successful correction of reflux. But 34 of these patients, 34 of the 73 patients, had two or more infections. And in these patients, we did a voiding cystourethrogram and found that three of the patients had neocontralateral reflux and four patients had recurrence of reflux. But 23 patients in this had voiding dysfunction and all the 23 patients were girls. And that's the point I was making was that in patients who have recurrence of reflux, one must look in, into that to exclude voiding dysfunction. Any concluding statements? As I said, my journey over the past 40 years on translation research in vasicoureteral reflux has been very exciting. The most rewarding piece of research in terms of having the greatest impact on patient treatment has been from our experimental work on the correction of vasicoureteral reflux in a porcine model. And since 2001, when FDA approved deflux as the acceptable and safe tissue augmenting substance, that this treatment modality has gained worldwide acceptance. Professor Puri, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your expertise with so many. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pete Space. Remember to subscribe to the Pete Space to be notified whenever a new episode is released. To access more educational content, visit the Deflux Learning Center on Deflux. Dot com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Additionally, 
You can learn more about our company and our products at palettelightsciences.com. Mm-hmm.